Welcome to Interchain FM, where we dive into the frontier of the blockchain space. We're now in the third generation of blockchain tech, where a burgeoning multi-chain ecosystem is about to explode into what we call the decentralized web. Where Ethereum is to the mainframe computing era of the internet, Cosmos is to the PC era. If you're seeking alpha in the Cosmos ecosystem, look no further. This is the destination for your exponential learning experience. Interchain FM is where you can get the download on all of the high signal projects, building bridges to one another, and how you can participate in the future of the internet. I had the pleasure of speaking with Juan and Ricardo, who are core contributors of the Desmos network. Desmos, as you know, is a decentralized social networking platform, and it is Cosmos's answer to Ethereum's ENS, or that's the goal. They're leveraging the Desmos blockchain to host a social networking platform. We're going to get into it. Quan, Ricardo, welcome to the show. Do you want to give an intro about yourselves, and then we'll get into some current events. Hi, everyone. I'm Quan. I'm, I'm the co-founder and CTO of Fobo, and uh, we initiated Desmos Network. We are a validator on um, some Cosmos ecosystem, uh, some Cosmos networks, and yeah, we keep building stuff around Cosmos. Uh, hi everyone. My name is Ricardo. I'm the test lead at Desmos, and as Chango said, it's like a blockchain made to create social networks. So in there, I just take care of development stuff, coordinating new features, upgrade, fixing bugs, and all that stuff. I only think that there is one main problem with current Web two and how it's doing and how it's dealing with free speech, which is how are you going to support completely free speech and even like hate content and all that stuff when you also have advertisers that need to pay for your social network to be like uh, to be profitable. Those are the topics that we are going to unpack on, on this episode, which is the, the problems with social networking and building a successful platform and, you know, what it takes. The biggest problem with Web2 is this question of, well, how do you do content moderation? How are you going to prevent criminal content from entering your platform? Things that are borderline criminal, like child porn, to, okay, saying mean things on Twitter or saying right. mean things on Desmos. How do, how do, where do you draw the line? Yeah, right. So on Desmos is totally permissionless. So anyone can like post anything on Desmos network, but um, we have a function that uh, the end users can report any unpopular or un, un, um, you know, they, they can report the content. And then we basically uh, let that, let that function to um, the DApps developers to consider whether they should display those contents. So, yeah, so we basically would like to have um, a decentralized um, like consensus on what contents they should be displayed on different applications on different end. I think it's like the best thing to do is probably compare Desmos to the internet. You're allowed to post anything there. It's just those who display the contents that decide whether or not the users should see it. So we're pretty much doing the same thing. We are allowing users to post everything and we're allowing also users to report everything. And it's going to be what we call the subspace owners or subspace moderators, which uh, subspace inside Desmos is like its own 
uh, private space that are, uh, an application uses inside Desmos. We're allowing subspace moderators to decide whether or not that content should be removed or should be kept. We will probably see uh, completely free subspaces inside Desmos, which allow you to post any kind of content. And we will also see more strict uh, subspaces which do not allow you to post a certain content. So it's going to be a responsibility and it's going to be left to the user to decide which subspace that he wants to join and he wants to see the content of. But it, yeah, it's going to be very much like internet. Internet allows you to dis to send any kind of content. It's up to you whether you want to see it or not. Okay, let me just ask you a couple questions. What is a subspace, is it like a subreddit? And, and how does one create and manage a subspace? Who gets the right to? And what goes on the blockchain? Uh, so a subspace, yeah, it's pretty much like a subreddit. So you have your own section with moderators and admins and et cetera. Um, and anyone can create one. So it's just like a message that gets broadcasting on chain. And you're just saying, oh, I want to create my own subspace. It's named this way. Uh, and I'm going to have these people that have these kind of permissions. So you can see it as like a subreddit or a Discord server or whatever, pretty much. And anyone can create one. And what goes on the blockchain is pretty much what developers want to go on the blockchain. It can be the whole content of posts, or it can also be a reference to, for example, an external ID that then is used to fetch the content of the post. So obviously you cannot post like very long content on the blockchain because that would cause a lot of issues with space, et cetera. So we are allowing users to only post up to uh, a couple hundred um, characters long posts. If it's longer, the developers would need to put that content on another space, maybe like IPFS or something else, and then they can put the reference on the chain so that they can rebuild the whole history and the whole content and display properly. Okay, so what happens to archival messages? You know, let's say we're five years in, I'm searching for something I tweeted five years ago. Where does that go? Who hosts those that data? And, it, you know, is it archived on the blockchain? Where does it go? Um, basically, the post content inside subspaces are all on-chain. And then, like... Um, for the long, too long, for the long contents, like maybe um, a long blog post, um, it really depends on the subspace moderator to consider or the developer to consider where they put the contents. If they are linked um, on an IPFS um, hash address, then the the content would still be on IPFS. Okay, so is it on the subspace moderator to store all of the data? No, it's up to the developers. Like the developers get to decide where they want to store the data. They can store it on the Desmos blockchain or they can store it anywhere else and then put on the blockchain the reference to where to get the contents. So suppose I'm like uh, developing a blog post uh, social network on top of Desmos. Since blog posts are going to be very long, what I can do as a developer, when the user sends and creates the blog post, I can take its content, put it on IPFS, then get the IPFS uh, reference for that content and 
put the reference inside a Desmos post, which gets uploaded to the blockchain and stays on the blockchain. Five years from now, what I can do is I can simply rebuild the whole Desmos chain history and I get all the posts that have ever been posted on any social, uh, on every subspace, so every social app. Or I can simply have my own, um, my own daemon that scraps the blockchain and then builds for me the, the chain and then I can create however I want. But yeah, you are free to decide where the content stays, either on the blockchain or anywhere else if it's too long to stay on the blockchain itself. Okay, so let me just clarify who the developers are. Uh, from what I'm hearing, the developers are people who are launching an app on Desmos, mm -hmm. an app mm -hmm. in the form of a subspace. Mm -hmm. And that would be basically a, a, a team uh, that runs the subspace and they basically own, run, and maintain all of the historical data and future data of that subspace. The data is stored, yeah, the data is stored whatever they want. But we need to clarify that Desmos is not built to be a single blockchain. It's built, uh, sorry, a single um, social network. It's, it's built to be a protocol that allows you to create different social networks. So... Suppose you want to create a decentralized social network, but you do not want to launch your own blockchain. Then you can come to Desmos and say, oh, I want to launch my application. Uh, I need to create a first subspace. And then I build the UI of that application. Once the user uses that UI, I simply put the content on the Desmos blockchain inside my own subspace so that it doesn't conflict with other uh, application that are using other subspaces and I can manage the permission of that subspace so that specific users can moderate the content some others maybe can uh, update the permissions and be moderators etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah it's up to the team that develops the application on top of Desmos to decide whether the content lies Okay, so it, it still sounds like there's a single canonical chain where all transactions, uh, aka tweets, are stored yeah. by mm -hmm. all of the subspaces. Uh, yeah, I mean that that kind of it. So, so the question is, how does this scale? If you know you have, you know, hundreds to thousands of subspaces, for example, that are just like there are hundreds of thousands of. Um, subreddits and you're archiving all of this data it it'll get bloated very quickly um i would imagine so so how does this you know if, if this if this scales to you know twitter scale right which is at least 330 million users and all of them are using you know one subspace or another how does this how does the blockchain scale with that um, I would say currently the situation is very similar to other blockchains like on Osmosis or Terra or on Band. They keep having new states update um, every five seconds. So um, it's pretty similar to that case. And then we can see that um, the storage on these networks are gaining um, pretty fast every day. So, but I think for the for maintaining the network, it really depends on how the validators or the um, node operators to handle the storage. And I think 
yeah, this is a way for like keeping all those records. And it also really depends on how the subspace developers to um, consider how they store the so all the data. For example, like um, currently there is an application called the Depop, which is developed by the Litecoin team. They actually only use the um, decimals profile, and then they are currently storing a very short tweets on on the chain. So it really depends on how they structure the whole application and see um, how everything being stored on different um, storage, like on chain or on the IPFS or StoreJ or any other kind of storage. Yeah, right. So, so th that that part is clear. That um, you know, any UI that hosts a social networking front end will need to fall back on some sort of decentralized storage solution. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the question is, how is the back end built, and how does it scale with its own success, so that in the future it doesn't just fall to its knees and crumble under its own weight that's one of the biggest issues. And, um, you know, I've looked at different models. There's, there's Mastodon, there's, uh, like the matrix protocol, right? There's, there's like a Fediverse model and, and all of these have different issues, um, on their own. And the, the, actually the, the one that I've been looking at very closely, uh, you know, as of last year, it was, it, it's a protocol called footnote. And that's actually something that is being built uh, on top of handshake, which mm -hmm. is so 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 from my my understanding is that Desmos both does the decentralized identity, which you know is your social media handle basically, mm -hmm. um, and it also uh, works in tandem with a storage solution like IPFS or SIA or storage, and then it stores everything on the blockchain. So so not only are you storing people's identities uh, via their handles, but you're also storing the blockchain data, which is every single tweet ever made. Um, and, and, and that's that's the that's the architecture that I have issue with uh, and, and and believing that it could scale just because um, you know if you're if you're if we're on handshake, all it does is just mm -hmm. the names uh, and then there would be a second layer, which is the storage. Uh, and, and then there's the third layer, which is the actual uh, UI that stores all of the, the tweets. And on Footnote, what it does is, you know, the, the user who makes these tweets actually stores it on their own computers. And then you kind of enter into this um, BitTorrent-like network where everybody stores just like a tiny little, tiny amount of um, the tweets and then other people store ar archival data and then you just have seeds and everyone composes the data together through the storage network and then you could sort of um, find tidbits of data to, cre to, to create like a whole picture over time. That's kind of the architecture that I think um, is scalable. Although right now there is a lot of different ways of, doing it that um that i've seen and and the way that you guys are doing it is is one such way yeah why, why do you guys think that this is this is the way forward well i think that is a, that could be a solution and currently on that we rely on cosmos dk 
and that is why we um, actually store the data in the Cosmos way. And we, we, we do see a lot of different approaches like on, on other ecosystems, like even on um, Oasis, they have different like paradigm running different things. They have something running on EVM on, you know, like on some um, uh, like the like the cipher paradigm is the private first um, um, compute uh, paradigm. Um, so even for storage, we can think how we can um, leverage on different um, ecosystem or different um, solutions on that. And yeah, I think we can explore that um, in the future. But at the moment, I think the most efficient way for doing that on Cosmos system is to use um, the way how Cosmos SDK is storing the data. Okay, and you know, if I if I tweet or mm -hmm. whatever the, the, the name is called on Desmos, uh, if I make a tweet and a block a block finalizes in seven seconds, so do I? You know, is there just like a latency of seven seconds before I could make another tweet, for example, or what does that user experience look like? That's probably in the end of the developers. You could either wait seven seconds from one tweet to the other, or they could simply like queue it for you, uh, and then they can decide to to post them as a single post. Uh, yeah. So inside Desmos, each tweet is called a post. Uh, and since maybe it's um, suppose you can store up to two hundred character per post, what the developers can decide to do is they can store the tweet content outside of Desmos, so they can store it inside their own uh, database because they want faster fetching uh, and anything else. And then they can post inside Desmos their reference to that database entry. So what they can do is they can simply, if you want to have a faster UX, you can simply have like a single post that contains reference to multiple tweets or something like that if you are creating a thread or, yeah. or maybe there are other ways, but yeah, it's up to the developers to do. Ideally, you have seven seconds from one post to the other, yeah. And um, so in front-end development, there is a concept called um, optimal UI, so optimistic UI. Basically, um, the front-end developers can consider like receiving different posts from the end users, and then they can um, submit the transactions on behalf of the um and users and then they keep that tweet on the ui and then until it's committed on chain they send back a confirmation to the front end ui and that is and that actually give a better ux to the end users this like this delay could also allow developers to implement features like the feature that we have seen implemented in google mail uh like mm -hmm. i think one year ago which is the undo feature so you have a pop-up that tells you the tweet is being sent uh, and you have seven seconds to undo it. Once you undo it, like you haven't done it. Otherwise, it's supposed to be on chain. Yeah, actually, we have done similar things in um, the Mooncake uh, like last year, right? And, and what is Mooncake? Can you give us context? Well, Mooncake actually was um, an experiment, experiment. We tried to build a Twitter-like application and then it was running on the Desmos testnet. And we were trying how it could work on a normal mobile application and storing the data on chain using the Desmos profile on the testnet. Yeah. 
And how did that turn out? Well, actually, the performance was pretty smooth at the end, but um, we realized that we cannot have just a new Twitter app and then asking end users to move from an other Twitter. And then yeah. So we, and, and that's why we, we suspended the development of Mooncake and then we uh, move on um, and then we decided to like create, to, to adapt, uh, to integrate Custom Awesome on Desmos. And then we believe that if we can have tokenomics on applications, then it's a way to attract different users and start like talking and the end users can can start tweeting or talking uh, specific topics. Right. And, and you just touched on another pretty substantial barrier to entry for mm -hmm. new social networking platforms, which is this um, totally non-portable social graph, which is mm -hmm. once a single application such as Twitter or Facebook um, achieves network effects, right? It's, um, it's past escape velocity. There really isn't a chance for another smaller competitor to come in um, because the, the social graphs are so not portable. Um, mm -hmm. And in the Web3 context, I think there is hope for smaller competitors to come in um, when, if and when we could make social graphs more portable the way that bitcoin has made um money extremely portable and just easy to move across borders and all of that right uh it no longer is limited to just one app because people could seamlessly switch between uis i mean because what is twitter twitter is just effectively one ui and it just is one single company that stores and owns all of your data um and in the future if it's sort of, if we're talking about a Web3 where users are the ones that own their data because they are the ones that are hosting and serving content, uh, then the paradigm sort of shifts and takes power away from these monoliths, monolithic companies, and, in, and we take back power as the users who are storing our own content. Um, but that problem isn't solved yet until we can solve the issue of seamlessly moving social graphs, right? Okay. Right. Yeah. So that being said, now that we know that subspaces are com are basically managed by the development teams of, you know, whoever that runs a subspace, you know, what what do you do if a user complains that, you know, one subspace is censoring um, or another subspace has just explicitly illicit activity, you know, it's just like hosting child porn or whatever, you, you know, what, and what happens? Um, I think the blockchain itself is, is totally open. And um, I think for like, but for, for content wise, or like how to deliver the content, it really depends on the jurisdictions of, um, you know, it really depends on the different jurisdictions of the applications. And we cannot control how people use those content if we keep the blockchain open, right? Um, so we, we give back the rights of the control to the end users. And if they think that like 
like a particular subspace is not doing well, they can like switch to another one or they can leave, just leave. And then, you know, like, yeah, this, they can just switch to other subspace using other apps. Yeah, that's, that's very, that's very similar to you, to you, how, how to like, to how you use applications um, yeah, on web two, right? Or maybe what they can even do, they can simply use another UI that displays, that does not display such content. So for example, if you have a subspace which allows to post for child porn and you're, you are against that, um, you can use another UI which relies on the same subspace data but filters out those contents. And if such UI has an advantage, like has more users than the original UI, probably developers, if they want to maybe monetize on the UI itself, they will start implementing uh, content filters or something like that. So it's about auto moderation inside the subsidies itself. One subsidies might even decide to have its own governance and decide and allow users to decide whether to remove or not a content. So each time a content maybe gets reported like 10 times or 100 times, then uh, a governance proposal inside that subspace is created. And as soon as the governance passes, the smart contract that deals with governance inside that subspace can delete the contents. Uh, maybe this is another way of doing things. One thing is that we are not going to moderate the subspaces itself. Like everyone will be able to create their own subspace. They will be able to post everything they want inside those subspaces. We're not going to take responsibility for what you're going to post inside such, such subspaces. And we're not being able, like we will not be able to delete subspaces or anything like that because otherwise we would have to moderate pretty much possibly all the social applications that are going to be built on top of that, which is going to be obviously um, an immense work to do. Yeah, that's correct. However, uh, when you say that a particular tweet, for example, uh, has been reported multiple times and then governance comes and votes to remove it or delete it, as you say, what does that mean? That means government, sorry, governance has intervened and you're literally removing it from the blockchain via a hard fork is that what you're talking about or what do you mean because you know once something's on the chain it's it's immutable unless you do a hard fork and basically reorg that tweet out or that post sorry well of course we can change the state of that particular post but yeah the transaction was there um the problem was there so yeah, if the end users have to track those transactions, they can they can still see those contents inside the transactions, but the state can be changed. It's very similar to other governance, like how we update a parameter on chain. Yeah, so via hard fork, like you're you're literally upgrading the chain and removing that, like you're you're reverting the chain state back to after uh back to before that tweet was made it's yeah, not yeah, an actual yeah. r fork it's just like the the cosmos sdk allows like you need to consider that each chain has a state for each height and the state at that height contains all the data that 
can be queried from the chain. So if you delete something at the next block, you will not be able to query it again. In order to get the content of that post that gets deleted at chain, uh, suppose a, a post gets deleted at height 100, then at one, uh, height 101, if you query that post, the chain will tell you that that post does not longer exist. If you want to get the content of that post, you would have to query all the transactions that have been made since Genesis up to uh, height um, 100 in order to be able to get the content of the post. But once the post gets deleted from the current state of the blockchain, you are no longer able to query it. So it's theoretically possible to get all the deleted posts, but that will require each user to go individually uh, like through all the chain history and rebuild everything that has been done up until the post gets deleted. And okay, I think it's quite so important that the application UI have to um, display the correct content of a blockchain. Okay. Um, just so I'm understanding correctly, so at height block at height 101, um, you basically make it make the content at height 100 no longer queryable, um, and so all the UI is basically are upgraded to to reflect that change. Uh, and so, but you know, if I'm running a new node and I want to see what's in block 100, it's still there. I just have to catch up to where the content is. Yeah. Okay. That's how blockchain works. It's pretty much like how uh, Cosmos, uh, Cosmos Hub governance proposals or other governance proposals work on the Cosmos SDK. Like you put on vote a governance proposal. And as long as, um, like, yeah, as long as that proposal is still in voting period, the proposal exists on chain. But one, uh, once the proposal passes or gets rejected, that proposal is deleted from the state. So if you try to query, uh, for example, the latest Cosmos Hub upgrade proposal that has been made today from, the, from one, like a node, you will not be able to query it. You will simply get that that proposal does no longer exist because it gets removed from the state uh, either when it's rejected or when it's approved. Going back to um, the chain hosting possibly illicit content, you know ha what happens if somebody in your jurisdiction where the the team is domiciled is let's say subpoena for example because they're saying that okay you're the developers of this chain and this chain has you know criminal content like how 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 defended are you against that even though um it is stated that you don't take responsibility for whatever's on the chain um however there you know it's still it's still up in the air whether or not regulators are, are going to come in and say node operators and validators alike are, you know, people that run this network and therefore responsible for whatever is on this network. Well, I think it really depends on how you see, like, storing the data or, like, delivering the data, right? So can you say that um, like maybe someone is hosting some pictures in their own computer 
can you say that that particular person is illegal at some certain jurisdiction? I don't know, but um, yes, that is. If it's on your computer, for example, yeah. So like, um, like if so your computer really, has child porn, yes, that is that it's pretty clear cut there. I think this topic it's pretty much the same as um, the topic that has been talked about between uh, Bitcoin developers in the last, I think, year, uh, where you have seen an increasing number of Bitcoin core developers being uh, that wanted to stop developing the Bitcoin core because they had jurisdiction that have come to them saying that sure, they... Sure, yeah, it's uh, too think, risky to even yeah, develop exactly. Bitcoin. Uh, so I think that probably we will ideally see the same thing if something happens to Desmos. Like if someone comes to me and they say you can no longer work on that uh, because it hosts uh, such contents, there will always be someone else who work on it, hopefully. So it's about having a decentralized team. It's about having a decentralized chain and it's about decentralization. Like if you are decentralized enough, there will always be someone who continues your work uh, if they believe in doing so. Okay, right. That, that, that is an interesting point. And um, this is just a little bit off topic, but uh, this is, you know, this is, also, the answer to the question of whether or not Bitcoin will continue persisting uh, even after block subsidies have dried up, which is, I mean, I, to, to me, it's a pretty obvious answer, which is, you know, anybody who has uh, vested interest in the ongoing progress of a network, they're going to run it altruistically or, you know, whatever anyway, because they're self-incentivized to do so. So given that Desmos is going to be, uh, you know, hosting social media handles in the interchain context, because, you know, you're also Cosmos enabled, is it going to be siloed on the Desmos blockchain? Or are you going to want other people to host their Desmos social media handles, you know, across the interchain? You know, is it, is it, is it going to just be a, Desmos specific network, or is it going to be something like you know the Cosmos name service? Currently, the structure, the data structure on the Desmos profile is um, a, a a feature on Desmos, and we currently don't have any plan that would be would change would be changing it um, to be a token. Um, and so basically the Desmos profile is on Desmos, but we um, we can connect to different chains because we store the um, crypto proof of different account on different chains. And we are also open to like uh, connecting to Solana or Ethereum or any other blockchain. Okay. And how is this different from or similar to ENS, for example, and HNS and IOV star name. It's actually very, very similar to star name, uh, but with the addition that we're not only allowing users to simply say, this is my, um, like in, in Desmos, we call them D tag. 
so decentralized tax or Desmos tax. And you like if you want to create a profile, you need to have your own D tag, which is going pretty much to be the same as your Twitter handle. So the, the username that users will use to tag you inside posts. And once you create your D tag, you have a profile and you are allowed to connect it with different chains. And in the future, like right now, you're only connecting with another chain in the sense that you are proving that you own both the uh, profile and the address on the other chain. So you cannot connect addresses of other users to your own, uh, but you can only connect yours. And in the future, what we're going to do is we're going to leverage these links that users can already create right now to... Uh, to connect them with interchain accounts. So if you have your own Desmos profile connected to other chains, you will be able to manage those chain accounts with your own Desmos profile. So it's going to be pretty much uh, an interchain distributed digital identity that everyone can create and can connect to pretty much any chain, even like outside of the current interchain. So even like Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. Okay. Let's talk about D tag. That was okay. So when I was trying to create my Desmos profile, that was not self-explanatory at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? wait, what is a D tag? And then yeah, I guess I just... the name pretty much uh, throws off a lot of people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so D tag is a decentralized tag. It's like, um, so we, we would like to use a D tag to uh, become a decentralized identity. So we think, you know, like identity is not just a username or a handle on Twitter, but it's like what you have done on different social networks. So we think that um, by connecting different chains or different networks, you are actually connecting what you have done on different chains. For example, like if you connect your Cosmos Hub account um, to your DTAC, your Desmos profile, Basically, you are telling people that, okay, this profile actually represents the account on Cosmos Hub, which has like delegated to Fobo, or maybe has um, like participated in a governance proposal, right? Then that is a profile, that is an identity. That is what you have done on um, different um, like social network or different communities. And that is what we call a profile, but not just a name. How how does a D tag track all of my activities? Or are you saying a D tag is just a human readable name that is attached to my public key that has all of this activity? Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. It's just a human readable name for that connects to to your profile, your profile, which is pretty much um a, a sub a substructure um, an overstructure on your uh, desmos account so you have your desmos account you create a profile which is an overstructure on that and you create a d tag so that people can easily find you inside desmos using such d tag and that profile is connected to other chains so ideally what you could do is i could send you suppose uh, i have connected my Desmos profile to my Cosmos Hub account and you have connected your Desmos profile to your Cosmos Hub account, what I could do is I could use your D tag to send you some atoms on the Cosmos Hub chain. 
because I know that your D tag tracks to that Cosmos Hub account, so I can get the pro like the the address and send you some atoms there without having to remember your uh, address on the Cosmos Hub. Okay, so in that sense, a D tag is like my ENS name, for example. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about engagement yield farming that you guys have, and I believe that that's uh, your way of kind of bootstrapping usage of the network, right? Yeah, so we we think that basically on social network, we have to attract the users. We need to um, set up a tokenomics for them. And then we'd like to introduce the um, like the engagement, like engage to earn mechanism. Um, and we are going to develop some applications um, like um, for example, like um, like tipping the tweets, yeah. Like you can you you can tip different polls. Like if you engage, you get the um, um, you get more more engagement. And then if you engage to the um, polls, you get more reputation. And then in return, you can at the end maybe yeah we can develop some mechanism that can like redeem a badge, which is an NFT. The reason why people engage in social networks is just because it's social, right? Actually, you don't mm -hmm. really need any financial incentive in order to participate in a social network. I think it would be um, about accessing the types of people that you want to engage with on that social network. So in that sense, I actually think that what BitClout did was interesting, mm -hmm. uh, although, you know, BitClout is just widely known to be a scam. However, uh, you know, what they did was they just pre-populated their social platform with the profiles of some of the biggest accounts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then it uh, got those people to redeem their allocations, basically, mm -hmm. um, by tweeting it on Twitter, saying that, hey, I have this on, on BitCloud. I think that was an interesting idea. Uh, even though it didn't really pan out for them. But yeah, I think the success of a social network really depends on the people that it gets. So, um, I mean, like it or not, Twitter became what it was after Donald Trump joined the platform. You know, it was, uh, it, it, that was their zero to one moment. And then, you know, Elon joins and then other people come online to be able to engage with these people that they would never, ever have access to before. So how do you how do you get those people on? I think this well, question actually relates a lot uh, about the other question that the other topic we touched before, which is how you take people from existing social networks into your own social networks if you're just going to make copies of that. Uh, and I think that the what it should be done is not creating copies of existing social networks, but actually creating new social networks that provide users with features that cannot be developed uh, with Web2 uh, technology. So for example, with Web2, it's very hard to send money from one person to the other if the first person does not have a bank account because you cannot access uh, internet like 
digital money with credit cards, etc. While in Web3, you have tokens. So what you could do if you are developing a social network there, uh, once a user joins, you can give them some tokens and then allow them to earn so um, more tokens through actions that they can perform inside the social network and use those tokens as uh, a currency inside the social network itself or either allow the users to swap those tokens for money that they can spend elsewhere. So maybe other tokens or something like that. So I think it's about um, using the features that Web3 provides you with to create new social networks and bring people inside such social networks because they are interested in those features, not because they're interested in joining another platform that already exists and does the same things as someone that like Twitter or Facebook or whatever. So it's about leveraging Web3 uh, features to create something from scratch pretty much. Yeah, and then we, we are not talking about like moving um, all those people from Twitter to and other social network. For example, like um, we are actually thinking how to bootstrap and uh, okay, how to bootstrap a decentralized social network on crypto space. For example, um, like we have the decimals profile um, for our validator, then actually across um, multiple um, big deeper, you can see that um, all formal validator or formal um, profile is actually linking to a single profile. And if we integrate a social um, like community on Victor, then we can start chatting as formal. And other delegators, they can start chatting as they are delegator of formal. And then all these profiles are actually pseudo-anonymous. We don't have to know if it's um, like a person on Twitter or on Facebook. And then the contacts on Big Dipper will be all related to that network or maybe related to a governance proposal. And then we don't have to switch to another platform. We can just chat uh, while we see the proposal, while we see how the network um, works, right? Okay, so, and this is contingent upon the front ends, like Big Dipper, for example, integrating mm -hmm. Desmos profiles. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so going back to the tokenomics, it sounds like the Desmos token DSM is used for uh, tipping, is used for you know paying somebody for tweeting in this in this network or doing whatever activity you consider to be engagement. Um, but Forbal Ventures and the foundation both had a lot of power in this network, even though it is run by a distributed network of operators. Yeah, you're right. And um, that is why we actually haven't staked most of our tokens. And we um, also don't actually vote on the governance proposal until um, maybe by until we see a significant amount of votes has been voted. Um, so basically we, we, we try not to con intervene um, the decision made by the um, validators or the token holders. And um, we also have a grant program that we would like to distribute the tokens to the development teams. Um, basically DSM is the staking token and the governance token. 
and by using Cosmos awesome, we can create um, different tokenomics on different applications, right? So actually, the um, Desmos Grant program is trying to support developing teams to work on um, different applications on Desmos. Okay, how does this contend with the Web3 ethos of not just don't be evil, but can't be evil? Like the whole... So, so, so the way that you achieve plausible deniability with regulators, for example, is that you really don't have any control over this network. But in the proof of stake context, um, where it is governed by your share of the voting power, it, that plausible deniability diminishes greatly the more stake that you have within this network. How do you reconcile that? Well, I think this is like... I think that that is the truth, and I would say proof of stake actually um, introduced more centralized than proof of work. That's correct. And it really depends on um, how we how we use the power. And there is, to me, there is no absolute solution for that. If we have to move away from proof of work. And if we have to stick on proof of stake, then yeah, that's the fact we have to face. And it really depends on how we use the power and how we have a common consensus on like how we respect to different token holders. Well, maybe five years from now when hundreds of millions of people are using Desmos, the way they are using Twitter, Elon will come in and buy up all your stake and turn it into a private company <laughs> and then control the Desmos we network. Don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, even if he comes in and buys all four shares, he will not be able to control the network because we do no. not own 34% of the no. voting power anyway. So uh, he wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then he goes into the second mark, secondary market, buys mm -hmm. up all, all the tokens in the in the network. Sorry, in the in the secondary so it market. So it really depends if um, there is such liquidity. So even right now on Osmosis, the liquidity is pretty low. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But in five years from now, maybe it'll be pretty high. Yeah. Okay. So all right, let's go to the questions from the audience. We're gonna start taking people's comments. Yeah. Leonardo um, Bragagnoli. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's going to put meme dogs on Twitter. Finally. That's correct. I think that Elon's Elon's uh, confidant is a doge. You know, he just asks, he consults doge and he's like, hmm, what should I do today? Buy up Twitter in a hostile takeover? Arda Doger asks, what happens if this external reference point, which has been used for data storage, as an example, will somehow not exist anymore? Hardware mm -hmm. damage, network problems, etc. Well, basically, it's the same as the existing NFT, right? If the NFT is pointing to a Google Drive or IPFS, if the JPEG image is not accessible, you still, yeah, it's the same. You can't access to that JPEG image. And that's why it's uh, it's left to the developers to decide where they want to store their contents, and also it's left to 
pretty much more knowledgeable users to understand what is being done with their content. So if the content is being stored inside IPFS, it's going to be really, really uh, less probable that a lot less probable that the content gets deleted or the reference gets deleted afterwards. While if you're storing the reference on AWS or anything else centralized, you're pretty much replicating what is web 2.0 with some reference on the blockchain. So it's about uh, knowing how the content is managed. And I think this is one also of the things that web three will allow users to do is uh, will force them to understand how the content is dealt with. Uh, so they understand how the privacy, how the data and everything else is dealt with. Um, and they can better understand if the platform they're using is actually safe or not. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the reality is for now, I think most of that information is that content is still stored on um, AWS, for example. But mm -hmm. the hope is that we will start moving away uh, in the future for where Web3 infrastructure is moving towards. Arda Doger, again, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, says, yeah, on blockchain, Desmos, you still have the information where the data tweets should be linked to, but how can user get to the end data in this case? They either just follow the reference or yeah, they choose another substrate which stores the data in a place that they can easily reach to. So if someone is storing, like suppose that Twitter comes and wants to build the exact same thing they're doing right now about storing reference uh, on the Desmos blockchain, it's up to you to decide whether or not to use that platform, uh, knowing that they're going to store the content inside their databases. Um, so if you are scared that that content might get deleted from their own end part, uh, then you simply swap and uh, use another platform. And thanks to the fact that you will only have a single Desmos profile, which is going to be used across all the subspaces, it's going to be really, really easy to move from one platform to the other because once you build your own social graph of connections, uh, friends, etc., you can move that social graph across different subspaces because the profiles are going to be the same. So mm -hmm. the portability is going to be huge and you users will be able to migrate from one platform to the other very, very easily. Uh, and that is going also to, to contribute to the different um, growth of social networks itself, themselves. Taylor Martins asks, how are users able to post content that's viewable to their audience if governance continually censors content they post? Uh, I think this needs to be clarified uh, a bit. Like, it's not about the Desmos governance that can censor content. It's about the governance within the subspace in particular. So when you create a subspace, you are the owner of that subspace. And as such, you can decide the rules of that subspace, pretty much like you're creating any other uh, social network or application or whatever you, you prefer. So you decide the rules. And if you choose uh, the rules to be that for each, part, uh, each content that gets reported, you have your own governance that can vote whether to remove it or not, that's up to you. But it's not going to be something that is going to be implemented across all the subspaces by default. Like by default, when you create a subspace, you get to decide the rules. If you make it so that uh, like, suppose I want to build a Lennon wall on Desmos. So 
a social network where everyone can post anything without any kind of moderation. What I can do is I can build, uh, I can create the subspace and then I can assign the owner to be a non-existing uh, account that no one uh, no one owns. So in that case, no one will able to change the rules of that subspace in the, in the future and anyone can do whatever they want. So it's up to you uh, to know the rules of those subspaces. And since it's everything on-chain, you can simply go and read it very, very clearly. Okay, I have another question. So this question is about reimagining the advertisement model mm -hmm. because the internet radically changed the paradigm and the substrate in which advertising is done. So similarly, Web3 is going to probably do the same, right, to, to that environment. So I have some theories about how advertising is going to be changed, but I want to hear what you guys think. Well, I think we cannot remove advertisement in our current daily no. life, right? It's a given so it's that it will continue, yes. Yeah, it will continue. So as a content viewer, I think, by um, paying attention to the advertisement, the end users should be rewarded. So if you are being rewarded, then because actually you pay attention to that, and then you are actually giving your um, like social identity on such advertisement. So I think if we can create a model that the end user by paying attention to the to the advertisement and then they can get rewards by doing that. We can actually eliminate a lot of issues currently exists in Web2 or in those advertising platforms that only a single company get all the rewards or all the payments by selling their end users. Yeah, it's it's not just about being rewarded, though, is it? It is also about privacy. It's more about mm -hmm. choice and mm -hmm. user sovereignty in that, exactly. you know, if I and other users are the ones who take ownership and control over the data that we produce, mm -hmm. um, then I could choose to either keep it private or I could choose to monetize on it. Um, exactly. And we could flip the paradigm on on its head where humans are the sort of products in the web 2 space and we sort of become the controllers or the 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 owners instead of the uh the the people who are um the recipients yeah, of rent seeking it's your own data is your own behavior and then you should be able to control or decide whether you would like it to be a product or not or you would like to like, or maybe you like would like to control how much data or what kind of persona you would like to sell as a product to monetize it, right? Or you can just keep them all private or don't engage or don't join any kind of um, reward system. Okay, so in this case, in the Desmos case, is the user themselves the people who control the data, but um... It sounds like to me it's not, right? It's the people it's who run the subspaces. Well, basically, uh, the blockchain is open, and then the developer um, on the subspace, they set up the rules, and then they can 
you know, like in space, they can actually um, change the rules by governance if they program like that. Um, in the meantime, all those subspaces should be open to um, for developers to to access. So actually, the social graph is open, and how to use the social graph to adapt on advertisements that would yeah that that is a huge topic. And actually, we are studying that part, and then we are trying to develop a mechanism that we can like run an application on a mobile phone, and then they can submit the data on a privately first um, decentralized system. Um, and then they can choose, they can control whether they would like to um, use that kind of data to be used on, a, on another system, which could be an ad exchange. And then by using that, they are actually um, trying to, like I subscribe to these kind of advertisements. And then by reading those advertisements, um, the end users would pay back a share from the ad, from the ad calls. Thanks for tuning in to Interchain FM. As always, I will read through the pages of white papers and condense only the alpha for you in a one hour long digest. Be sure to subscribe to Chango and Chain's YouTube channel to be up to date about the latest technology and never miss a live streamed episode.